about intellectually stimulating cinema of importance. By that, I mean we're going to talk about six absolutely insane motion pictures. Regular guest and current Rank and Review champion Lee Beckman is here to help me unpack these six stupefying features. <laughs> Please, by all means, you have the means to let me know what you feel about these reviews. Do you agree? Do you disagree? How would you rank these movies? Had you heard of these movies? You can let me know by writing me at rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. And check out my page at rankandreview.ca. Please do it. Before we proceed, as usual, I have to warn everybody that there are spoilers for the movies being discussed, and there may be some excitable bad language. But let's all be adults about it, shall we? As always, thank you so much for listening to Rank and Review. Please tell that other movie freak in your life about the show. And let's get on with intellectually stimulating cinema of importance. Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Rank and Review. Mm-hmm. Returning, 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 returning guest, <laughs> Lee Beckman, the Beckman, Beckman, Rank and Review champion. <laughs> you said that almost like it was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I'm not saying that you don't have a problem, <laughs> but I'm saying that you've come back again, and you're welcome again, and uh, it's a weird bunch of, it's, it's a weird bunch of movies <laughs> that we're talking about. Yeah. I, I've done I, intellectually stimulating cinema. I of thought it was called. Oh, okay. I thought it was, it was important cinema. Yeah. Maybe maybe the title changed, but oh, uh, the, it's very very deep stuff. We were we're jumping we're, to the deep end of the pool here. We're going to be <laughs> racking and hurting our brain today. This is richly cultured episode. This yeah. is this is for true cineasts. Yes. <laughs> this um, is for the elite of the elite. The special. 
Sometimes a movie comes out that's just so crazy <laughs> that it just doesn't it doesn't it won't even allow itself to be categorized. You know, it's just like this movie exists. Deal with it. <laughs> I will say this: I wish I was a fly on the wall for all the pitch meetings for these movies. <laughs> Some of them would be easier pitches than others, but like I get the feeling like whatever the pitch was, perhaps they didn't 100% close the deal when it came to delivery. Mm, I think some execution horribly went wrong, yes. For the most part, what I'm going to say is that this is not a list of good movies. It's sort of a list of entertaining movies or, or strange movies or like movies that are just so out there that they kind of demand some level of attention despite their poor quality. I will say this, that some of these are memorable movies. Like, once you see them, you can't unsee them. Yes. But again, is that a compliment? Is that an endorsement of the motion picture to say, well, I can't unsee it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I I really don't know. But I mean, yeah, I did pick this this episode. Yeah, um, yeah. This is it's an interesting one on the several leads. We'll go over some of the titles here for us. But um, okay, Night of the Leapest. Yes. What we have here is a early nineteen seventies film that is attempting to make rabbits frightening. It's your typical eco horror fair. Just. Done to a pitch level unheard of. Not wolves, not lions, not bears. <laughs> rabbits. <laughs> Giant man-eating rabbits. I don't know why, but like, I was as I was watching this movie, <laughs> a recipe for Hassan pepper kept on coming in my head. That'd be some good eating. <laughs> I know. Uh, so after we we also have Grizzly, which yep. was. Uh, a fairly immediate response to Jaws. I yeah. know a lot of people in the production were, have been trying to say, oh no, we didn't mean to rip off Jaws, but they were ripping off Jaws. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. You know what? Yeah. If you're going to steal, yeah. steal from the best. I just love the fact that as this man was, as the director was making this movie, he was currently being sued by Warner Brothers for his last movie, which was a ripoff of The Exorcist. Right. But, but I digress. So yes, we have another 70s monster animal when animals Creature. attack, grizzly. Creature feature. Moving into the 80s, we have ghoulies. Yo. Not gremlins, not critters. Munchies. But ghoulies. Not munchies. Not munchies. Yes. yes. Ghoulies. Ghoulies. Uh, a bunch of satanic shenanigans brought to you by the craziest of 80s. Yeah. I, 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 on a side note, I really do think we need to do a, a, a critters retrospective episode. <laughs> At some point, this may be one to see critters. <laughs> Well, we could, uh, that can be easily done. Anyways. A movie from my past, uh, Video Dead. Believe it or not, I have a Blu-ray copy of Video Dead. And I'm both just honored and horrified at the same time. It seems like it should just be a VHS tape. Like, in the movie, it's, a, you know, it's yeah. zombies coming out of a TV, and that's that's about all. There's no real plot to that movie. <laughs> no. No. No, no, there isn't. I, I have to say, it's one of the few movies where the poster art far exceeded the actual production. <laughs> one of the few, really. I find that happens fairly, fairly often. Oh, uh, okay, well... Bill Maher, uh, at the time, a sort of a, a, a stand-up comic of note, yeah. starring in 
cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. Which gets my vote for the best title of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, I think it's trying to be a satire, I think. Yes, most definitely. I think think maybe its tongue is a little bit in its cheek, but we'll discuss. In your cheek and up another orifice, probably. (laughs) (laughs) I've said too much. A lot of tongues. Um, Um, I I will say this. I'm kind of actually worried about Bill Maher. There was, like, he he sort of seemed to get out of it, but there was, I'd say, a good year where... Um, like, because I respected the man, he was very political. His, his views, some of these, some of his views, I share. But there was that whole when he started going on the Nation of Islam, it just turned kind of just a little bit racist for me. Yeah. And then there was that whole end joke thing that backfired. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there's a lot of political fire to get back at. He's made a lot of enemies, and is yeah. he going to say some stupid things just like anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that he was making some important points about Islam, but in true fashion, he was being horrendously uh, blunt and insensitive about it. Fair enough. But, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a no, religious debate. No, that was just one of those, like, random comment times. Random time. comment times. But, but uh, hey, Bill Maher. Bill Maher. He was a stand-up comic at the time, and uh, it's sort of one of those things where they put a stand-up comedian in the middle of a movie or in the middle of a sitcom because they're funny maybe not because they're actors but because they're funny (laughs) so it's gonna be it's a tough old tough old one for that but the last one the the, I don't know if it's the best of these movies we'll discuss it but I think it's easily the craziest of these movies (laughs) Mm -hmm. Roar (laughs) Roar yeah this is it's yeah uh, yeah how it's do you not, rank them? How do you rank I, them? I, that was the one of the things we were talking about earlier, is how on earth would you rank these movies? I, like, it's it changed so many times, the order. <laughs> um, some of these movies are very mood-specific. I will I will say that. Yeah. Um, I felt very dirty after watching Roar. <laughs> but there's something about it. So it's it's one of those movies that could easily be at the top or easily be at the bottom. Yeah, depending but, on your mood of the day. Yeah, what. yeah. So that is... Uh, the list of intellectually stimulating films of great importance that yes. Lee Beckman and yes. I are going to be discussing today. Yes. Is there anything else you want to say by way of introduction? So you actually created this uh, this episode, like you put the list together. Yes. So what made you, A, put this list together, and B, where did you come up with the title? Well, I don't know where intellectually stimulating <laughs> cinema of great importance came from. It's just such a crazy list of movies. It's very Monty Python-ish. It's an exception in my collection, or in these episodes, in that most of the times we're talking about movies pulled directly from my collection. Yep. Full disclosure, in this case, I only actually own Video Dead, and only out of just, like, pure nostalgic. <laughs> like, my friend Jeremy and I rented that movie for 49 Cent Video and mm. just howled at it, because <laughs> it was just yeah. so hilariously awful. Yeah. That it, it almost demands to be seen, because of how hilariously awful see it this is. this <laughs> me. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get there. So, I just, I decided, okay, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I want to pull some movies that I want to talk about just because, for whatever reason, they've stayed with me. Yeah. Not because necessarily that they're good enough to make it on my wall, but because yeah. they, they they stuck in my brain. Yeah. Every now and then, I would just shake my head and think, fuck Night of the Lepus is insane. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> just randomly, that would occur to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just, I use this podcast as an excuse to unburden things. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I don't think I would pay any serious money to own any of these movies. Yeah. But as bad as some of them are, I don't think I would tell somebody not to watch them. Like, unless I knew they didn't yeah. have an appetite for bad movies. But if... If somebody in our sort of yeah. circle of friends said, should I watch Night of the Leapers? I would say, yeah, probably. Like, yeah. <laughs> Is it good? Oh, no. No, no. But you still should watch it. <laughs> Definitely check it Yeah, these movies, like I said, some of these movies do leave a mark. It's depending on whether that's a good or a bad thing. is entirely up to you. But you will not be bored. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intellectual films of... Of, of, of what of, an, of, of great importance intellectually stimulating ah yes sorry you are not going to kill those cats you can tell me what you're gonna do and you can tell me what the rest of this committee is gonna do but I'll be damned if you're gonna tell me what I'm gonna do that's why you have to help me he could get killed I can go on any property to kill animals that I deem are a danger to human life. I'm telling you there'll be no culling of cats, elephants, or any animals ever again. What are you trying to prove? That you can have lions socializing with people? No, but we can't keep exterminating. We can't keep exterminating everything that we fear that inconveniences us. Let the shoes keep them alive. So, Tippi Hedren famously got into it with Alfred Hitchcock on the set of The Birds. He really wanted on. <laughs> yeah. And he figured since he'd put her in this starring role in the movie that he'd just be able to get this. This was in the pre-Weinsteinian era. Casting couch. <laughs> yeah. Totally trying to execute it. But one of the cruel things of famously that, that Hitchcock did with was actually use real birds on her during her bird attack scene. Mm. He flung actual birds at her. Yeah. And she was terrified by it. Yeah. Fast forward to 1981. <laughs> <laughs> See, one thing I never quite understood is like after you experience something like the making of the birds where animals were all around you and flung at you that you would willingly go into another movie where even bigger animals you'd think like that she would have enough of this. Well, and... that's classic Beckman cutting in to make the point I was trying to make. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fast forward to 1981 <laughs> and she puts herself in the position I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. She puts herself in the position of being with all of these lions. Now, I'd heard of this movie. It has a reputation. And I figured, okay, they had real lions. They went to this country. So they had lost looser safety laws. So, yeah, they're going to have actors interacting with actual cats. And it's going to be kind of crazy because that's dangerous. Mm. But I was in my head picturing a couple of cats. Like three or four. <laughs> okay? Nope. <laughs> the absolute insane thing about Roar is there's got to be 60 or 70 full-size cats. And like all, of all, all, all shapes and sizes. Yeah, isn't Jaguars, there... panthers, tigers, there's lions. A, isn't there a cougar in there at some point? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> there's an elephant that goes rogue. Uh, so, yeah. It's... It's a dangerous movie. Like, it's a dangerous movie. When I was talking to Lee about this before we pressed record, I said, like, somebody involved in this movie needs to be slapped in the face yep. hard. Yep. And I think we've decided that the director and star 
no Marshall yes. is that man. Yeah. There's barely a story. <laughs> is there? There's, 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 there isn't much plot to roar. There's barely a story, but there's a lot of footage of actors clearly terrified while being surrounded by cats. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the insane monstrosity that is Roar. That's where I start. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Is it a movie? Is it even actually a movie? Or is uh-huh. it a documentary? I, I don't know. I mean, I put the ball in your court. Like, okay. What are we looking at when we look at Roar? Well, if there ever was a tagline that was appropriate for the movie Roar, it actually would be stupid fucking white people. <laughs> The behind-scenes debacle that occurred on this film are legendary. Yann Dubont has, I think, 70 stitches. He almost got scalped. He got almost got scalped. He was, like, hiding on, in the floor, shooting, taking a shot, when a lion decided to just, you know, up and give him a bit of a scratch. Um, yes, but you mentioned Noel Marshall. I think Tippi Hedren also gets a... Gets a, gets a nod for, like, just what were you thinking? Because they, they, they wanted to make this sort of Swiss family-style family movie because, you know, they had a love of wildlife. Yeah. And because and they actually had their own lions. Because Look, it's well-intentioned. I know it's well-intentioned. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're not fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the I, road to hell is paved with great intentions. I'm, like, in a lot of ways on side as far as, you know, we should try to find unobtrusive ways to deal with lo- wildlife. Yeah. We should find a way to live and let live. That does not mean living with them. <laughs> that means just... Not destroying their environment, yes. not destroying their way yeah. of life. I get that, and yeah. I believe that, that mo- this movie is a proponent of that. Yes. But the way it goes about it is so mind-crushingly stupid. Uh-huh. Like, none of these people are role models. None of these no. people are parent, like good parents. No. And the thing is, is that I can't split, separate myself between the movie and the actual people like yeah. Melanie Griffith and her two brothers are the daughter of Tippi Hedren uh, and they play themselves in this movie yeah. and they are fucking terrified it's yeah. on their face yeah. <laughs> they're terrified and their mother put them in this position yeah. and like the beginning of the movie where they actually credit the animals <laughs> they, they want to share production writing and directing yeah. credits yeah. with the animals because yeah. To train the animals would be somehow like to be rude, like to to be too obtrusive. Like yes. they would shoot this movie, and whatever yeah. the animals did, the animals did, and they would roll with those yeah. punches. And you that's not how you make. You a know movie. what's with what this movie's missing? It's it's missing the crocodile hunter. That that dude. He should have showed up at some point in this movie. Sorry. The crocodile hunter. Yeah, yes. Steve Irwin. Yes. <laughs> Steve Irwin, I would have would, would be able to handle himself around the cats. So yes, like I don't even think that that main character, that Noel guy, is that yeah, is good. He, no, no, no. Like, uh, With he, the animals, I mean, like no, I, I think no. he's not scared of the animals, but yeah. he is not safe around them. No. Like he gets plowed over several times, and that wasn't part of the plan. Like yeah. that cat knocked him over. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like that cat was sort of curious about his leg at one point, and like just gnawed away and like stole and destroyed his shoe. It was. Or his bag at some point as well. It's the naivete that goes right over to dangerous, to like yeah. inc- dangerous incompetence. Uh, no, like someone could have died. In a way, it's a miracle. Yeah, no, like it, I, I, when this movie, the, when the like, final credits finally rolled, I kind of felt like I watched this weird snuff film. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> because it was just like because the look of terror on all of these people not actors people's faces right. is so genuine like you can't replicate it so of course 
effect, you know, like just affected by it. Yeah. I can't decide if this is one of the worst movies ever made or one of the greatest thrillers ever made. Because if you sort of take it as the lead character Noel as the as the villain of the piece, as a man who is like literally this more dippy version of Doctor Moreau. In order for me to do that, I'd have to believe the movie was trying to do that. Yeah. And but I don't think it was. No, no, but I know, I know, I understand. <laughs> it, it's what it was trying to do completely failed, just not even at a conception. So, Daddy Do Right <laughs> is yeah. living on this plantation that he's got all of these cats living together. Yeah. There's a couple of cats that are sort of positioning for it's top It's his dominance. experiment, he calls yeah. it. But uh, he's running about dealing with his animals, and his family shows up for his visit. And he's the boat that they were in sinking, convoluted story plot. He's yes. trying to get back to the ranch to get to his family. Mm-hmm. His family arrives. I guess they must have known he was working with wildlife, but completely unaware that this entire place has free roaming lions yeah. everywhere. They're roaming free. None of them knows how to deal with it. Yeah. Like, like he, he, he invited his family to come visit him and didn't say, oh, by the way, <laughs> there are man-eating cats all over the place. Yeah. Make sure that I'm there and that I can sort of, yeah. you know, get you into this environment yeah. safely. Nope, just show up whenevs. <laughs> so you're right, he should be the villain. Yeah. The problem is, is when he finally, finally, finally shows up <laughs> to help deal with these cats... Yeah. They're so thrilled to see him. Hugs and, and love all around. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> like, it was one of these, like, classic, this adventure repaired the marriage. And I'm looking at her like, no, no. Yeah. He put your life and the life of your three children in direct danger. Like, uh, the second I see that guy, I'm going to give him the beating of his life, and I'm going to feed him to those fucking cats. <laughs> and I'm going to whistle my way to jail, right? Like, her response is... Not only wrong, it's the polar opposite. It's completely unearned. <laughs> like, just, no. <laughs> no. Makes me angry. No. And it's followed up, spoilers, by a dinner scene with this really dippy folk music playing that we're supposed to, like, feel like all clappy, happy, join hands, we're one with nature. Like, it's the kind of reject song the Carpenters would have sang. And they're eating dinner with, you know, and the lions are sort of laying all around them, like, on a post. And, like, 20 minutes earlier, these lions were trying to turn them into veal. Like, Well, and that's it. Like, sometimes the lions are friendly, sometimes they're not. Like, they weren't being trained. They didn't have scenes planned out for the lions. So however they were behaving is however they were behaving. But you're right. One scene, the cats are clearly aggressively trying to eat them. And then the next scene, they're all just peacefully sitting around, lounging. They're all sleeping together in a pile. Yeah, a yeah, I remember that. They actually like sleep overnight with a couple of them sort of like curled up with them. At, at some point in the night, they, they came the in cats and, just just came in and, and lied down like, I wouldn't be going to sleep. No, no, no. And no. I go back to this. I keep going back to this. But like, it feels less like a thriller feature film than more like a documentary. Like a terrifying documentary on how to not make a movie safely. Yes. Like, t- uh, Tippy and what's his face? I don't know if they no. were their kids or if it was kids from a previous marriage. Uh, Tippy, it was kids from a previous marriage. Um, if one of those cats had fucking killed one of her kids, yeah. like, that would have been a horrifying thing and it would have put a stop to the production and it would yeah. have, like, it would have been one of those stories that you would talk about, like, like the Twilight Zone movie, yeah. you know, where, like, gross, gross negligence led to death. Yeah. And in a way, as much as I didn't wish it on them, 
I, I part of me would say, I'm sorry, you guys, that was death by stupidity. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, no one deserves to see their kids mauled to death by a large yeah. cat. But <coughs> if anyone deserves it, it's the person that puts the kids in the position to be mauled to death by a giant <laughs> cat. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. no yeah. As a parent, I say no, no. to Roar. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to give a special shout out to the actor... Kialo Mativo, who actually plays Mativo as right. well. Um, the fact that he me- he survives this movie is <laughs> impressive. But I gotta tell you, like if I was Mativo, uh, I, I, I think about the hour mark, I would have walked up to Noel <laughs> with a machete in hand and just like, killed him, like right in the middle of the, uh, of his forehead, not out of revenge, even no. though that would be completely earned. You're saving but him from himself. <laughs> Well, just or infecting anyone else with his madness, it would it, like it would be this mercy killing. But you know that like, he would like it would be cathartic for him because it was just like <laughs> I, I like I said, I believe in conservatism. I'm a very natural, earthy yeah. dude. Yeah. But this guy is so far off the map of hippie that yeah. he needs to be put down. Like, <laughs> it just he is, nature says, do not touch. He is paradoxically a dangerous hippie. Yeah. <laughs> he like, loves the earth so much that he makes it a more dangerous place. Like, this is what the man does just to Mitibu throughout the film. Like, he brings him back, and they've obviously been working at this, I don't know, like, what do you call it, resort or... He's got some property it that he's camp where these like lions just sort of hang out, and he brings him back in the house, and the lions are like pulling away at his pants and the shirt, and says, "You know, just stand still, let him finish," kind of thing, and then proceeds to you know take him through the Zimbabwean jungle or at least environment, and on more than one occasion tells him to climb a tree or just stay there and let the lions nip at your heels. They won't climb a tree; yeah. like, leaves him to his death. Well, he jumps in a bike and, like, runs away so he can escape. Anyways, um, at another point in the movie, he decides to go back to the village that he was sort of being a doctor in we see, when we first see him with Matibo, and they come, like, s- just strutting on through this, this you know, this village uh, with their tigers, I think, which, of course, you know, the local villagers are totally freaked out, and he clears them out. And what do they do? They steal their only bikes yeah. in the village, and off they go. Noel Marshall is awful. He's an awful human being. He is stupidly racist to the core. Like, just, like, not willfully. Ignorance. Just, yeah. Racist out of ignorance. Yeah. I, it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I know. It's just, like, it just is so aggravating yeah. because not only is he wrong in yeah. everything he says and does, he yeah. does it with this smugness, right? I know. Like, like well, this is, of course, how we should be doing things, and shame on you for thinking otherwise. I know. And, like, the movie is trying to sell this perspective. Like, I know. As far as the movie's concerned, this is how everybody should live. Like, yeah. Tippi Hedren and this Noel dude are living in this Hollywood la-la land, yeah. but wherever whim that you have can be indulged. Yeah. And this whim should not have been indulged. <laughs> yeah. It, I know. it was dangerous. Yeah. Like, people could have died. Yeah. It's amazing that people didn't die. I know. And the I... message of the movie is bad. Yeah. And the way they made the movie is irresponsible. Yeah. I think it's well shot. Yann DeBont has proven himself to be a good DOP, and he yeah. went on to be... An okay director, at least yeah. until he tried horror. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, 
it's it's a fascinating movie because yeah. of how they made it, yeah. but it's a terrifying movie because of how they made it, yeah. and it's an aggravating movie because of how they made it, <laughs> and it's a fascinating. Like, it just, it, it I, stays with you. I won't lie. Like too many feelings. <laughs> I like it. Just to me, it was one of the most terrifying movies I'd seen in quite a while, and I know it was not. In, it was not intentional. Um, this reminds me actually of a sort of a real life episode. You remember well for the for the you know listeners at home, Larry Parsons actually did come to my wedding uh, in in Africa, South Africa. And one of the things we did during the whole wedding thing was we went to that safari. And right. I remember obviously like like the whole Jinjel clan was there, and we did walk past the whole lion den part. Like they, they were sort of just like lying around, like you yeah. know, leaving themselves. And you know, as a family walked on by, and then my uh, cousin. Sydney walked by, who was clearly the smallest of the group. Watched them all take interest. And the lions all simultaneously went, Roop! and were locked on her. And like she was saying, Why are you looking at me? And clearly they were licking their lips. Because you were food size. Yeah. And like they were like just honing in on her. And they actually got up and followed her, and which of course made me giggle. And her kind of freaked out. There's a scene in this movie, and they talked about it during the making of it on CBC. Where Melanie Griffith has, you know, is not a nice thing to say about her ex stepfather Noel for obvious reasons, and I think this is a huge part of it. Right. There's a scene uh, where this line has taken like a deep interest in her and it had for quite a while. It's pinned her, and it it totally is on top of her. Like, it's knocked her down. And it's been there, and the, and the shot goes on for what seems an eternity as they finally slowly pry her away from the cat. This line is gnawing on her scalp. Yeah. It's like when you get to that scene. It's actually mauling her, and I really... It begs the question, if no one would have interrupted this, that eventually it would have turned homicidal. Like no, it, it, I won't sugarcoat it at all. It yeah, was straight like up fucking child abuse. Like, it's it's awful. Straight up fucking child abuse. Yeah, like, it's... it's. This is where it got this whole snuff vibe to me. Like, I, at this point, I'm like, Jesus Christ. And, like, I don't know if that's the worst thing in the movie. Well, and like you said, the scene with the tigers walking through that village, like yeah. this is an authentic, like they're authentic animals of yeah. that village, and you see naked terror on their face. Yeah. That tells me, you know, if, if the locals fear the cats, yeah. then you should too. I Respect know. that. Like the know? locals, even Mativo, because he was also involved getting all these like lions, at least coming from Zimbabwe, that's where he was from. He said, you're seriously planning to have live actors. In without any sort of barrier between the animals, you're crazy. Yeah. And yet he, of course, and like I production. said, they would have been crazy if they'd used three or four cats. Yeah. But they used like fifty or sixty. What made it like what, what made it even worse is like because apparently this family actually owns a couple of these cats because every family owns lions, I guess. Oh, when you're when you're a rich Hollywood yeah. family, yeah, but they had the idea both Noel and Tippy that you, they needed more cats, so they actually brought in cat animals that were not used to them on the set and if you know anything about pack animal pathology then of course these lions started fighting each other to see who was the most dominant animal yeah. so even like the opening scrawl where no animals were actually harmed in the making of this movie is a complete and utter lie there's, there's only a few scenes where I recognize they're actually making a film that I actually can re- relax yeah. there's a sequence where they uh, r- ridiculously hide in barrels at the top of the this platform yeah. and the barrels get rolled into the water from by the cats yeah. and then the elephant in the water yeah. lifts these barrels 
And clearly that elephant had been trained to lift and shake barrels. Yeah. And clearly the actors weren't in those barrels. There was yeah. a brief sequence there where I saw, okay, this is a filmmaking thing. This was set up. Yeah. This is like actual a sequence. This is an yeah. action sequence. And I don't think anyone's life was really in danger. Yeah. And so for that sequence, I could strangely relax. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to endorse the movie because I, I think it's so irresponsible. Yeah. But I would be lying if I didn't say that it was pretty like hard to look away from while it was on. Oh, no. Like, I, I didn't break for the 90-some minutes of this movie. It's one of those, like, you're, you, your jaw is dropped and you're seeing something that, that demands your attention. It was, like, very upsetting to me. Like, tense, tense, tense. Yeah. As soon as the family hits that compound... It is an hour of sheer and utter horror. Like it's 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 a horror movie, and I know like the intent was to make a family film, but honestly, you switched the music of that movie and making that that sort of you know any sort of classical thriller score, and that movie would be terrifying. Well, it's even more terrifying. Yeah. It is a month. It is an home invasion monster movie. That that portion of it. Yeah. And that's Again, I yeah. don't know how to sit on. I know, I know, like I know it's it crosses so many ethical lines. So I mean, I mean, everybody parents differently. You may have heard a lot of thumping during the recording. I have a couple of lions looking after the boys upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> As we speak, <laughs> I guess someone's having lunch. Yeah, I guess I'm a hypocrite. Oh, good enough. And I, I just, I don't know. I should want to just kind of close off. I totally get why Melanie Griffith, you know, is a notorious alcohol drug addict because I I, th I still think she suffers from PTSD from this movie. How can you grow up in that environment and not be crazy? I don't know, I don't know. Um, I I would say I definitely I recommend seeing Roar, but it's just one of those things where it's like it's you can't unsee it. Yeah. It, it stays with you. It's. I will save my final thoughts for my final thoughts. Yeah. Wow. Look at them. They're beautiful. They are two incredible chicks. I am not a chick. I'm an ethno-historian with a doctorate in cultural anthropology. Got that? Yes, doctor. And one hell of a guy. In search of a cannibal tribe. I want to make contact with piranha women. It's a story of... Smart women, stupid, insensitive men. Of tender romance. Dr. Hunt and I are old friends, aren't we, Margot? Well... We were in love once. Desperately and passionately in love. <laughs> it was a one-night stand. I was half drunk and left right after we had sex. It's an adventure <laughs> of thrilling danger. What was that? Something went under the boat. Something big. Oh, my God. It's charging at the boat. <laughs> it's a land of primitive customs. Hey! Sexy mama! Hey, you want to ride my vet? I have a lot of fantasies about being tied up in spanked. Because this is no ordinary jungle. This is a war. A war between men and women. This is where civilization ends. So when you were approaching a motion picture called Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death... And I still applaud that title. I think that, you know, obviously it's sort of announcing itself as... This is going to be silly. This is going to be probably a little bit exploitive. It's going to be a bit of fun. Yes. So you got to meet this movie halfway. Yeah. And I'm completely willing to meet a movie halfway, especially if it's being intentionally silly. Yep. I think where I'm going to start as far as this movie is that I think, although it does have satire to it and it does have humor to it, 
it's not funny enough to work as an exploitation comedy. Yeah. And it's not smart enough to work as a satire. Yep. So what we have is this kind of Saturday Night Live sketch in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's a few scenes where, you know, you can see them pushing the edges a little bit. But yeah. for the most part, it's kind of a harmless movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah. For, for the... What the title suggests. Yeah. It's not wall-to-wall booty, <laughs> boobies, and it's not, like, yeah. you know, viciously violent. In fact, uh, yeah. I get the feeling, like, whoever directed this movie has no idea how to handle action at all. No, <laughs> but shoot it's... actors a, talking to each other. It's a very low-budget movie. Yeah. Like, they, I don't think they have... Had the money to do it, Yeah, right? you know, I mean, l- even look at the, what is it, the, the Malibu Beach... Um, hippopotamus sequence where <laughs> anyways they, they are attacked by a hippopotamus yes. that we neither see nor hear yes <laughs> well I think we hear like a <laughs> a low bubbling rumble but again play it for laughs yes. if it's gonna if you if your means are that like ridiculous you weren't laughing up. during that scene no be, I, I don't know like because I really <laughs> Malibu Beach Hippo <laughs> come on but, like, the actors were playing it weirdly straight. Like, <laughs> were they? I thought so. I thought they were trying to make it I work. think all three of them knew exactly what they were making and were, like, trying hard not to at least crack a smile at shooting at water. Like, a, a, something just emblematic of, like, the whole movie. Yeah. Like, if you fast forward to towards the end of the movie, Adrian Barbeau and Shannon Tweed yeah. are having this battle, this Amazon battle, yeah. to see who's going to be in charge of the avocado women. Yeah. And, like, the fight, the fight that they have in air quotes, is, like, the worst. Like, there's no stakes. There's no energy to the fight. You don't believe that either of them believes that their life is in danger. I don't even believe that they did a rough rehearsal of this fight (laughs) before they shot it. Yeah, I They are rubbing these two props together in a very unconvincing way Mm. and delivering the dialogue. And this is supposed to be like a sprawling fight. Like I'm picturing yeah. Princess Bride, sort of yeah. like they're they're going back and forth and they're they're parrying with swords, but they're also parrying with their tongues, yeah. right? And it is so flatly executed as yeah. to be impossible. Impossible yeah. to find engaging. Yeah. I don't think Adrian Barbeau sucks as an actress, but I might make the case that she sucks in this movie. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just um, before we continue with this review, and and it, it, there is pertinence or there is importance or reason why I'm bringing this up. Um, this rec- this recording has happened after what I'm called what I'm calling is sort of a huge seismic social shift happening in our society right now. Um, for those unaware, although I don't know how you would not know, obviously people like there's a lot of men in power that have, have been brought to their knees rightfully. Uh, and you know, there's a Me Too movement. Uh, Harvey Weinstein was coming out about him. There's a lot of sometime in late September, early October, 2017. Yeah, yeah. it was no longer okay to exploit women. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't mean to laugh, yeah. but that that seems to be what's happened in the zeitgeist. Yes, and I say this because this is a movie that openly is honest about exploiting both sexes. I will say that mm-hmm. some of the jokes in this movie would not only fall flat as a pancake in today's modern social climate, they would be seen as outright horror. Yeah, well, so I, I think want to, that's a shame. Yeah, and I, I want to acknowledge the victims before we continue with this <laughs> review of, of, of these women that have... Or, or, well, men, because there's men as well with Kevin Spacey. Just, I want to acknowledge no, that. Absolutely, there's so, been a climate of women being 
sexually yes. mistreated, and that is wrong. I don't think that's a controversial statement. No. And I don't think this movie is in favor of that at all. Like it's no, definitely no. its heart is in the right place. It's 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 trying to be a sort of zany sex comedy. Unfortunately we are getting to the place in the zeitgeist where yeah. uh, people are having a hard time understanding the difference between satire yes. and you know, hate speech. I just say this to the people listening at home who would be curious to watch this movie that there is that element that they might find just utterly like, whoa. These are the sensibilities of 1988 yes. or 89, whenever it was made. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. And, but I think it's even-handed in the film in that the women are terrible yes. and the men are terrible. Yes. Right? Neither sex There's com- no good guys. Neither sex movie. comes off well. I guess I think of the one scene in particular where Bunny is being sort of taken over by the, like, the men's servants and it's this sort of comedic rape as a joke scene it's very goofy and done quite you know like ha 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 but I think in today's pol- political climate there, I can imagine a couple could be like no that's not even remotely funny yeah. well and again the politics are all backwards I mean yeah. like uh, Shannon Tweed one of the slave men she falls in love yes. with him and it's not because he's got a great personality yeah. right? it's yeah. because he's ripped yeah he's good <laughs> looking she takes him with him back to society and tells him what courses to, 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 to be taught yeah. so that she can program him into a good man yes and that's that's flatly Insulting, right? Yeah. But I mean, the whole movie is full of this. The bunny yeah. character is one of the craziest yeah. bimbos that I've ever seen graced yeah. across the screen. Screen, and I think the balance of the character is, is that I don't hate bunny. No, I understand what she represents. Yeah. But the moral of the story at the end is, is like the Shannon Tweed, the smart scientist lady, just finally Saskatoon, gives up. Our Saskatoon celebrity. Yeah. yeah. She gives up on yep. Bunny. She basically says, do what you're going to do, Bunny, just be happy. Yeah. And uh, so, so basically the moral of that story is some women are just fucking stupid and aren't worthy of help. <laughs> yeah. And that's not a very good message either. No. no. And that's also like in the movie in an unironic way. Yeah. You should probably tell the plot of this movie. <laughs> so yes, the uh, center of this large, vast uh, avocado jungle is impenetrable for anybody who goes there ends up dying from this uh, uh, tribe of cannibal yeah. women. Um, a woman who is has the same last name of Kurtz from Apocalypse Now. Yes, Dr. Goes, Kurtz. Yeah, she goes Margot's to, nemesis. She goes to study the uh, women, ends up, quote, going native. Yes. And she was ruling the show. And even though she starts as the super intellectual woman, she's all on board for human sacrifice. She's all on yeah. board for the cannibalism. It's yeah. quite silly. Yes, and she's even accused of sort of being um, exploitive of them just to write a book. Yeah. So the girls, uh, or sorry, our main scientist played by Shannon Tweed, who typically was a woman who would be cast to show her titties, and yeah. she keeps her clothes on for this whole movie. She is yeah. the straight character. She's actually asked to act and play a character, and I, that must have been so refreshing for her. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying it as a fact. It, typically, if you cast Shannon Tweed, it was to get her tits out, right? In this movie, it's not about that. She's scantily clad, but she's the power of the movie. In fact, with the exception of the first five minutes, there is no nudity in this no. movie. Like, I can imagine it's, a lot it's, it's, of... A lot of disappointed boys rented this movie waiting to see it. It starts off strong in that department and then just like, which, fine, whatever. It It was interesting that it was just that one scene. It was almost like either either go for that or don't. The fact that they just did it a little bit seemed weird. Yeah, (laughs) well, once again, I think they they just ran out of money. Same thing with the cannibalism. Like, if you're going to have a cannibalism in your title, maybe we should see a little bit of cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) But we saw avocados. We saw avocados and we saw a bunch of women in skimpy outfits. Yep. But again, like, 
I what I can praise is what I think they were trying to do was noble. Yes. Either the either the budget or the script didn't help them get it over the line. Yeah. But I don't think it's maliciously bad or, or, or mean spirited. Here's the wild card though. Okay. Gilmar. Yo. <laughs> Gilmar, like I said at the beginning of the introduction, he's a good sort of political commentator and a yep. really gifted stand up comedian. Yep. I don't know how much of an actor he is. <laughs> he can he can emote yep. and when he's asked to give the tough guy dialogue, like yep. I, I crawled into a bottle of whiskey and never got out or yeah. whatever. Like he can deliver the cheesy ram ram yeah. ram but there's barely a character in Jim. He's yeah. basically there to say things to aggravate the women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, he's a guy yeah. that would openly bring a porno magazine and proudly display it in front of women. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't think this guy really exists. Yeah. But he's sort of the prototypical dumb male. He'd be like, holding up the magazine, yeah, you, me, eh, eh. There are, however, I think a few scenes where I think that Bill Maher is supposed to be like something of a coveted sexual figure too, yeah. and I don't know that that works for me. I guess I've never found Bill Maher that attractive, but yeah. he has this like peach fuzz. It's <laughs> young Bill body. Maher too. Like, like he's, he's like 20. this hairy, sweaty Jew in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, right? really. Like I just like I I didn't see him as a, as a swashbuckling hero. Like I yeah. felt like. The relationship between he and Bonnie was yeah. completely unearned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. She's pretty and he's stupid, so they fall in love. Yeah, like, but isn't that real life, Larry? Isn't that? Is I don't know. Um, I agree that if they had a couple more rips of a draft, that they, they could have had something is the kind of overall impression I'm left with it. This is from like writer director Jeff F. Lawton, who would go on to write, wait for it, Pretty Woman, uh-huh. Under Siege, mm-hmm. and you know, my personal favorite, one that every wall should have, Chain Reaction. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. Well, uh, he, he, he did other stuff, but yeah. him, Under Siege was successful. <laughs> yeah. He made really big, big, macho driven you know, action films for the most part. Um, I do love the fact that. The piranha women actually eat them in. That kind of was not lost in me on an allegorical level. That that made me smile. <laughs> but again, it's just that radical feminism. And granted, they're making fun of it. But the yeah. Adrian Barbeau character, and she does not sell this at all. No. As a woman who would go that far to the other extreme, that she would be okay and sacrificing men and okay and eating them. Yeah. She's delivering the lines. She's not doing anything to make me believe her. No, I know. <laughs> you know who should have made this movie? I think he's like the Zucker Brothers. Right. If they would have gotten a hold on this, this thing, I think, would have had some teeth and legs. Their politics are kind of shaky, though. No. Well, the politics in this movie are very shaky. Yeah. So I think they, they would be perfect to have a sort of you know another crack at this. I enjoyed it. It was intriguing enough that if there ever was a sequel, I'm still sort of secretly hoping out there will be. Mm-hmm. You know, like sort of like the you know the Piranha Women and the you know center of New York kind of sequel because they talk about how, you know, spoilers. The American government secretly wants to move these women into some sort of complex in in a city, so they would get climatized and then they would move on in because there's a, some sort of weird cold war involving Russia and avocados. <laughs> Uh, like just see right then and there I'm like he 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 but that's right like push it instead yeah. of like softening it push it yeah 
I say make it really violent. I say make it really mm-hmm. sexual, but yeah. make everybody in on the joke. Yes. Right? And that would be the difference. You can have the, you can even have the girls have their tits out and you can have them sacrificing men to the pool of piranhas. Yeah. Like uh, it would be they'd be knowing like yes this is exploitation yes we're winking at you yeah. but we're also kind of about something too and isn't this sort of fun yes but just didn't quite have the guts to pull the trigger on it they were existing in a PG environment except for they pushed it enough that it was R anyway yeah. so it's an R rated movie that feels PG well I, I honestly believe they, they, they ran out of money I yeah. think they, they, they probably blew a good portion on that opening sequence just right. because that's where a lot of the sort of I hate to say it, meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah, and then also probably paying at least Bill Marmer and Shannon Tweed, who at that point was... I, I imagine she would have cost a little bit of money because she was a name. I mean, mm-hmm. she's granted the 1984 Playmate of the Year, and I'm kind of sad that I know that. But, I mean, it's kind of interesting that they cast her because yeah. typically, if you're casting Shannon Tweed, like I said, yeah. you're going to exploit her. And she's not exploited. Like I said, she actually had an honest part to play in this movie. Yeah, uh, like I, I guarantee you, there's a bunch of 13 and 14 year old boys that rented this title, <laughs> and are disappointed. Yeah. And, and we're sitting there waiting for the scene to masturbate to that never yeah. came. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. If you're waiting to, you know, be knocked over by the satire, it's not going to happen. If you're no. waiting to be knocked over by the laughs, it's not going to happen. And if you're waiting to masturbate, it's probably not going to happen. So for I think sh- most people are going to walk away disappointed. <laughs> for every joke that that hits there's three that don't yeah. so I agree on that I agree on that like I said earlier they really should have had a couple more cracks at the screenplay and they really could have had some sort of great exploitative fare but in the end it's one of those almost movies which ends up being well disappointing it's memorable for its title that night that night of Olympus A night of total terror, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. What caused the unnatural death, destruction, and panic? That night of the Lepus. Janet Lee. Stuart Whitman. Rory Calhoun. And Paul Fix. Night of the Lepus. Kill one. And thousands take their place. What devil creatures growing weight and size every day are hidden behind the eyes of horror? What can stop them? Night of the Lepus. So here's a question. How do you make rabbits scary? I'm only asking you this because Night of the Lepus didn't have any answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were questions than answers when, when this movie's all said and done. So this is like this faux cautionary tale, almost sci-fi sort of thing, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the movie starts with these newsreel footages of places in Australia that's had real problems with rabbits taking over ecosystems yeah. and destroying farmlands and sada 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 yeah. but uh, they decide to jump it up to another level yeah uh, so yeah Rory Calhoun 
makes a, a phone call to, it. <laughs> to some buddy of his to help him deal with this rabbit problem. Some he friend wanna, at the university. Yeah. He doesn't want to use the poison. He doesn't want to fuck up the ecosystem. He's, again, friendly to the animals. He wants to get rid of them, but he wants to do it in a, yeah. in a good way. Uh, that doesn't leave a great impact. So enter this couple uh, who have helped with different animals. They've never dealt with rabbits before, but how hard could it possibly be? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that the movie totally lets the heroes off the hook for, first of all, is that this plague of giant killer rabbits, mm. 100% their fault. <laughs> yep. Standard traditional <laughs> equal horror fair. It's injecting a bunch of rabbits, trying to figure out different things yep. he can do to help control the population. Yep. His precocious but stupid daughter sets yep. free one of the test rabbits. It breeds with a bunch of other rabbits, and then we have wolf-sized rabbits. Wolf-sized? We're talking King Kong. Well, they keep saying wolf-sized, although when we see them, they're like the size of homes. <laughs> yeah, but, right. uh, and they gurgle. They come only at night, and yes, whenever we see them, we hear this like low boiling sound, this roiling, it, it, garbling it's sound. It's almost like it's like a cross between a boiling sound and sort of like what a sound that a finch or, or a little parakeet would make. You're like... Certainly nothing close to what I imagine rabbits do. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's it's so deeply strange that this movie exists. Uh-huh. So yes, we have a plague of giant rabbits that come out at night. They eat anything they encounter, be it plant, be it animal, be it person. Yeah. And we have to figure out a way to deal with it. Uh, the friend from the university is played by Bones himself. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Dr. McCoy. Yeah. But uh, the really amazing thing about this Killer Rabbit movie yep. is that it is so completely earnest. Yep. Everybody is playing this thing yep. 100% straight. They do not wink at all. They don't nope. budge at all. Nope, and this was the era where like, they did a lot of these stupid movies like The Swarm and shit like that yep. where we were supposed to be scared of yep. things that are inherently not scary. But there is something so ludicrous about the fact that it's rabbits to me. Like. I loved them for it. <laughs> you know, like just once in a while comes a movie that really goes beyond its medium, really speaks to the problems affecting the human condition. <laughs> I, I think of films like Citizen Kane, Kramer vs. Kramer, Back Mountain, Platoon, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and The Shawshank Redemption. I now add Night of the Leapus to that list. <laughs> I can't think in recent memory of a film uh, talking about the scary underbelly world of the Leapus. I now know that, like, whenever I walk my dog early in the morning or at night in my area, they're like, because there's rabbits everywhere. Mm-hmm. I now know that they're not looking at me because, you know, they're terrified of me or that, you know, I know I'm cute. They're secretly trying to get at me. <laughs> they're plotting and brooding. And I know when they go across my lo- my front lawn and my little security camera goes off, they're doing that deliberately. Yes. <laughs> they're trying to get the in. <laughs> so I, I actually think that this is probably one of the most important movies <laughs> <laughs> that anyone should see. But am I just being paranoid, Larry? <laughs> am I? Well, I mean, Saskatoon, too, has had a resurgence in the population of rabbits. Yeah. And I see them almost every morning when I'm walking to work. Yeah. I am never frightened by them. <laughs> no? <laughs> not once. See, not ever see. have I been frightened. I saw a rabbit down by the old Walmart that I swear you could have put a saddle on and ride. It was a big fucking rabbit. Yeah. And I was more scared of the pelican that I saw last summer. Okay. It came too close to me. Because... 
those things open up their wings. They're pretty fucking big birds. And it was walking towards me like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Anytime I see a rabbit, it just runs the other direction. <laughs> but I don't want to say that you couldn't do this. I, I mean, when I opened the saying, can you make rabbits scary? Well, yeah. rabbits are incredibly territorial animals. If you bend them together, yeah. the males will castrate each other as, yeah. so they don't have competition over the girls. Yeah. They can be quite rab- like violent I, to each other. I can personally speak uh, of that rabbit bites are very painful things. I used to, I had a job where I had to pick up injured animals and once in a while we'd get one with a rabbit and when you're trying to like bring this animal that's bleeding all over the place and yeah. its limbs are everywhere... Like they they just they they're terrified and so they would bite you know sometimes through the glove and it would really hurt. And if you've heard a wounded rabbit, which I assume you have, there's yeah. a weird feminine quality yeah. to their screaming. Like yeah. there's something chilling about it. It's a high screech. There's something like maybe you could have done to make these rabbits scary, but basically what the film decided to do was to come up with that crazy bubbly ambient score. Yeah build a bunch of models and film rabbits running past them. Yes. <laughs> see, see, that's a beautiful thing to me. <laughs> and there's, like, I swear, there's, like, 40 minutes of this movie. It's oh, yeah. just that. Yeah. It's just it's... rabbits hopping by models yeah. in slow motion while you hear... Like, yeah, I, I, wow. What we just did sounds better than what's actually... <laughs> <laughs> on the soundtrack. Yeah, I um, I will have to say the rabbit violence is impressive for a, a, a movie as ridiculous as this. There's a couple close-up shots where they've obviously pushed the camera and maybe the lens right in the rabbit's face and it's got like Blood some kind of catch-up. And they actually like, in theory, do destroy. I think they wipe out a whole family at yeah. one point. Like I have to applaud them for that. Um, but again. A lot of this movie, the whole movie seems dubbed, by the way. Yeah. Like, none of the dialogue seems... The sound editing is terrible. Like, we cut to exteriors, the dialogue starts, and, like, we're always working around their faces so we don't have to see their lips move. Like, it was really slapped together in that way. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, like, that takes you out of it. Just some of the set pieces, too. Like... (laughs) What's the actor's name who played Bones? I'm fucking blanking on... uh, I just call him DeForest Kelly. DeForest Kelly, thank you. DeForest Kelly standing by this huge open mouth of a cave that yeah. the rabbits are in, and he drops this one stone, yeah. and it falls like an impossibly long time. Yeah. Then it hits the ground, and you hear all of the rabbits like making their rabbit noise. Yeah, their their homicidal rabbit rage. So that's how he could test if the rabbits were there. <laughs> yeah. So let me take this movie earnestly at its premise. Let me say that yeah. I believe that that hole is filled with hundreds of giant. Why would you throw a stone down there and why would you not then expect them to not jump out of that hole and eat you? See, like, now you're having the whole why ask why, you know? Like, just why? Because they go back to that point later in the movie and he stands by the same hole and he throws the rock in there and there's no sound. Oh, they've all moved. (laughs) (laughs) Again, like, if you don't have the camera shot to show us the rabbits down there, maybe you don't need that scene. (laughs) I'm just happy that this is an adaptation of a novel as well. So, like, like, somebody else thought this up and wrote this and thought it would be 
uh, like a very good idea. I'm just got some classic Hollywood dipping their toes into this. Like I said, Rory Calhoun and Janet Lee. Yeah, some of the reviews I read about this movie, like they really called her out as her phoning it in, and I say pish posh. <laughs> all of them, like they, they 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 give it their all. Janet Lee was never the, a really talented actor. She was always just sort of Janet Lee. Right. I totally dug that RV attack sequence in the third quarter. Third Show act of this movie. Crazy. Okay, so their car is stuck. Their RV is stuck in some yep. sand. She was trying to dig it out. Night has fallen. Yep. The rabbits attack. Yep. So what does she do? She puts her child in the RV, and then she stands outside of the RV yep. and shoots at the rabbits. Yes. Like, again, just go inside the RV, I and know. the rabbits will run away, or fire from the window of the RV. Like... Show me that you have a brain in your See, head. See, this is where I think you and I differ, where at this point I'm cheering for the rabbits. <laughs> but the rabbits deserve to get her at that point. Like, uh-huh. she was so catastrophically stupid as yeah. for my sympathy for her to diminish. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted the girl to, the little kid could live. She's a little girl. She doesn't yeah. deserve it. Yeah. Although, she did release the toxic rabbits. So yeah, I she's essentially that. responsible for all the, all the chaos that All those deaths are on her head. And yeah. she needs to know it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they should make her bag the bodies, frankly. <laughs> bag it. I think she's just, she should have been the last one just eaten at the end. But, um, hey, that's just me. Um, I, I, one thing that I, I kept on sort of grappling because, and this goes back to another review that we had, I want to, re- so I want to remind you of another great, terrible, terrible movie, Toby Hooper's Life Force. Because one of the things oh. we said about that was that all the actors play it so straight, which just adds to even more awfulness of the movie. This is sort of the same case, but I don't like Life Force. I kind of really dug Night of the Lepus, but I knew going in that just from the conception, like someone had to know that this was never going to come out right. Have some fucking fun with it. Yeah. You know, and like... Maybe the novel was serious. Maybe some dude had a really traumatizing encounter with a rabbit as a child yeah. and he decided to make a story about it. Yeah. Great. Um, I Hollywood was doing Jaws and Grizzly and yeah. like The Swarm. Yeah. And this was the step too far. <laughs> this was just like where, no. where we just have to be stern with Hollywood and yeah. shake our finger and say... No. <laughs> no. But if you're going to do a killer bunny rabbit movie, you but, better have your tongue in your cheek. <laughs> yeah, but, but then we never would have had Night of the Lepus. And I think the world would be a sad place without... I, it's even the word lepuses. <laughs> I know it's like the Latin word for rabbit, but lepuses. I love, like, there's, like, lots of lepuses in my neighborhood. I can, like, I think that a plague of rabbits could maybe be creepy even if they weren't giant rabbits yeah. that newsreel footage where they were showing the the rabbit proof fence and all of the rabbits yeah. being herded against it and it was almost like a, a a bunch of rats or mice roiling all over each other yeah and you know that they were going to be led to a fairly violent death presumably like yeah. they weren't going to put these rabbits in pet shops yeah. right yeah so like i i mean even just having thousands and thousands of rabbits hopping everywhere there would be like an ew ew I might step on one of them sort of vibe right yeah. but no 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 slow motion bunny rabbits hopping by models is not scary no no matter how earnest your performers are yeah. it's not scary but and I, I love the fact that they played it straight 
I get what you're saying. Make Rory Calhoun a badass hunter and let me see him gun down a couple of those rabbits. That would have gone a long way. Perfection. Yeah, that would have gone a long way to help me, you know, get into the movie. Yeah. Make the scientist realize that it was his fault that these rabbits have become giant yeah. and let him own it in some way. Yeah. Maybe he has to sacrifice himself to stop it because of the, like, they just did nothing with it. They did nothing with it. Yeah. I created giant rabbits. Sorry. <laughs> you know? See? I would have added, you know, at the, at the tail end of this movie, that the horse he shoots in the head at the beginning yeah. comes back from the dead and drags him down under. That to me. But in a way, the horse shooting scene is one of the few clever things I saw. Like, yeah. if you if you're living in ranch land and it's being infested with rabbits, losing or you're having your horse break a leg in a rabbit hole yeah. is absolutely the kind of shit that would happen, and yeah. it would like a horse is not just an investment; it's something that you nurture and love. It's yeah. like. It'd be like you having to kill your puppy while you were taking him for a walk one day because of a gopher or something, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you'd have no problem stepping on a gopher, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. But, again, I don't know that you could make a scary movie about rabbits. I'm just saying this isn't I it. think that's a rhetorical question, and the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe then the answer is this. Night of the Lupus is as close as you can come to making a movie about scary rabbits. <laughs> and, we, and we should honor it. <laughs> All right. There's not another movie like it. <laughs> yep. The Video Dead, a new form and shape for zombie terror that invades a neighborhood and threatens the innocent, the unsuspecting, and the unbelieving. Nothing can prepare you. Nothing can save you. Nothing can stop the onslaught of the video dead. It's the late show to end them all. Look what's buried inside your TV. The Video Dead. Um, look, far be it from me mm. to be this guy who wants to, like, pick on low-budget movies. <laughs> no, in fact, you're actually a defender of, which is one of the reasons I love you. Yeah, I mean... There's certain times you'll press play on a movie and just right away, like you can tell by the color palette mm. and by the font on the credits mm. and by the first few lines delivered by the actors. That yeah. Everybody on this project is doing this for the first time ever. Yes. And what I usually do is I just roll back my expectations in the production mm -hmm. and try to invest in, okay... Let me see what these guys got. Let me see the seed of the talent here. Mm -hmm. you, just because you don't have a budget doesn't mean you can't tell an interesting story. Yep. And uh, just because you don't have a budget doesn't mean that you can't pull out a few tricks to sort of make yourself noticed. Yes. I'm a connoisseur of movies. Mm -hmm. I host a movie podcast. I spend a lot of my in the 90s renting and watching bad movies instead of hanging out with girls like I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think you avoided certain, you know, certain <laughs> disasters, but okay. <laughs> the Video Dead was, at one point in my life, considered by me 
to be the worst movie I'd ever seen. <laughs> and yet you owned a t-shirt. <laughs> I have a t-shirt of it. It was. It's also sort of beloved by me too, just because of how like ridiculous and stupid and wonky it is. How did you acquire that t-shirt? Uh, I believe Jeremy gave it to me as a Christmas present a couple of years ago. He must have ordered it online or Good something. Good for Jeremy. The artwork on it, like, I remember looking at the VHS tape. Yeah. It was like... The, the art for Video Dead was very impressive. It was like the impressive thing yeah. about Video Dead. Yeah. So here's our movie. Uh, these kids move into a house. They're an older sister and a younger brother. Their parents seem to be not present. It's not really acknowledged what happened. They've been working a good portion of the kids' lives is what has been sort of inferred. Yeah. But like, we... we basically don't see them. <laughs> the set is very bitter at the parents is yeah. what I gathered. Anyways, yeah. So they move into a new house and in the attic of the house is an old TV. The son turns on the TV, smokes a bag of weed, a bunch yeah. of dry ice leaks out of the TV. <laughs> yes. And evil comes out of the TV. Zombies. At first it comes out in the form of a weird demon woman. Let's yes. not forget that with... Conspicuously, her hair covering just exactly where her nipples, almost as if it had been taped into place. Like, that was more distracting than had her nipples been exposed, almost just the way it was, like, so carefully positioned. But there's this hilarious moment. I mean, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but the kid sees this vision of this, quote, hottie (laughs) going on the TV. She manifests in the room. They start making out. And then she goes back into the TV, and she looks all zombie-y. I don't know if you remember this. I do. But this old dude sneaks up behind her and, and just cuts like, her throat. Yes. And he says, I'm the garbage man. I take care of human garbage. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, okay, there's a world. <laughs> okay? There's an evil TV. There's another And universe. there's a dude that lives in the TV and he fights the evil in the TV. Mm-hmm. Except for this, Lee. We never see or hear from the garbage man again. Yep. He appears in that one scene. Was he? The, was he the guy that, that that died at the beginning of the movie? Though, <laughs> like, like that was the one question I had because we see him and then he does disappear. I think it was the guy, that grumpy old guy, that the TV is first delivered to, right. and then is we were meant to think strangled. But but why? Like, I mean, I mean, why is any scene in this movie would be a fair question. <laughs> but why? In the name of God, is that scene in the movie? Like, it's not referenced. Well, maybe you're arguing maybe it was referenced before, yeah. but not in any kind of through line sort of way. Like, yeah. he was there and then he was gone. That yeah. woman was there and yeah. then she was gone. We never yeah. see either of them again. They never play her again. Yeah. What happens then is that zombies come out of the TV, they kill people, and they're like Return of the Living Dead zombies. You can't yeah. kill them by any normal means. Yeah. You can't shoot them in the head. You can't like they're just they're unstoppable killing machines. Yeah. And but they can't look in the mirrors because then they're reminded of you know what they truly are, which is dead. And so. Or you can confine them into a space. They freak out. And they they, they don't do well. But oh my god! Oh my god! Yep. Okay, let's talk about the acting. Um, <laughs> oh, is that what you call it? <laughs> the brother um, and sister is interesting. Uh, I think that the sister is probably the slightly better actor of the two. Yes. But she is... I'll be delicate. Weird looking. <laughs> <laughs> That's as nice as I can put it. Oh, There's this old wow. 80s action delicate. star. There's this old 80s action star. I can't remember his name, but he kind of looks like Freddie Mercury with a Popeye jaw. Okay. This really fucking big dude. And his jaw is like 
three quarters of his face. Mm -hmm. Same thing with this chick. It's like she's got the Popeye jaw. Her jaw is just too big for her head. <laughs> she looks you, weird to me. You clearly paid more attention to this movie than I did. I've seen this movie several times. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I own this movie on, on, on Blu-ray for some reason. Okay. She's strange looking. I, okay. and it's not fair to judge her performance because she's strange looking, but yeah. uh, just... I don't, I don't engage with her as the lead, and she. You don't engage with anyone in this movie. And then we have the the annoying, annoying as fuck teenage kid, who when he first sees the demon lady decides that was probably because of the weed he was smoking. Yeah, and I felt so bad. He flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> he flushes all his weed down the toilet. No more of that. Yeah. You know, any other time I've smoked weed, I haven't hallucinated demons. But whatever. No, I'm done. <laughs> done. Done. There's an important moral to this story. <laughs> it was his moment of sobriety. Here's the closest thing I can to saying some points that this movie scores. Yes. It's not like that it's good. It's just like, wow. There's a prolonged sequence where one of the neighbor ladies is wandering about her house and we're seeing zombies in the background and we know that there are zombies all yeah. over the place. But yeah. nope, they're not going to get her. They're not going to get her. Where of all places, Lee? Was it the washing machine? The zombie jumps out of the, the washing, washing machine. machine. Now, like, just if we're taking this movie on its own premise, yes. the zombies don't like to be cooped up in small places. Okay, once again, you're asking why. Too much. But this zombie decided it was going to lay and wait. It was going to play possum yes. and wait for the lady to open the washing machine <laughs> and then pounce her. Why? Absurd, stupid, yeah. but I guess I can say I wasn't expecting a zombie to <laughs> jump out of the washing machine. Oh, yeah. But how is that something that you could have expected? Yeah, okay. I will give it I will give it this. The video did show me a couple of things that I had never seen before. <laughs> One involves a dog a dog having a heart attack. Yes. And so the response, because they don't want the owners to truly know what happened, is that instead of the dog having a heart attack which would be a totally legit thing. Like, I really wouldn't blame the person. They decide to shove a tennis ball down the throat of this poodle and give the excuse that somebody threw the ball and it <laughs> choked on it. I just, like I said, the logic in this movie, does nothing makes sense. And I just, like, I both laughed and was horrified at the same time. You don't actually see the dog. No, with it's the not graphically ball, explored. But these thought it was at least a somewhat suitable idea, like that was the response. There's no plot point in this movie that is not weird. Yeah. The only thing weirder about that is that none of the plot points seem to tie together to yeah. each other. Like, it goes into a different direction. There's a huge, like, 20-minute portion, like, two-thirds of the way through the movie, where yeah. we abandon everybody except for the teenager and this weird cowboy dude yeah. who just shows up to help them fight zombies. Yeah. Who knows how to fight these zombies yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Who sets up this elaborate, like, trap where they use The live bait, bait sequence. <laughs> so when we have a teenager hanging from a tree with a chainsaw, waiting for the zombies to come yeah. so that they can dismember them. Yeah. And that's all fine and well and good, and that's where we're expecting to go. And in that scenario, what are you expecting to happen? Is it a good thing, though? Is it? I'm expecting the cowboy to die and the teenage kid to live, right? Yep. That's what you expect to happen. Yep. They both die. <laughs> yep. Brutally. Their plan 
Although we spend all this time setting it up, all this time like getting yeah. to this scene, yeah. they both just die. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And again, I, I guess that sort of surprised me. <laughs> but again, uh, what, what, what's missing in here, what, what it's hard to uh, articulate to the listeners, yeah. is just how crummy the execution is from moment to moment. I know. Like, on top of not making sense, the acting is terrible. Oh, the directing my. is clumsy. The special effects are not super hot. There's a couple of them that, that are for for the low budgetness of this movie. I think it was like a some sort of spatula or something in the Stabbed head. Stabbed in the head, yeah. Um, I mean, it's still very amateurish. I don't know, man. It's hard to judge this film with the rest of the list <laughs> <laughs> because this was a made film made by amateurs or first-time filmmakers. Yeah. Like, Direct-to-video yeah. in the late 80s. It's a bunch of people getting together and, and trying their best with what they had. And it was their first experience. So it's it, it's clear. It, it looks like it looks and feels and is most likely a student film. Right. So it's kind of hard to like compare it to the other atrocities that are on this list. But at the same time... It's a terrible movie. That's the thing. Yeah. See, it's awful. <laughs> it's the thing, yeah. is that it's awful. And so I don't know if I can honestly recommend other people to see it, but... I will recommend it to you if your name is Larry Parsons or Jeremy Cook. Yes. Because okay? Jeremy and I rented this in the early 90s, and it just we never stopped laughing at it. We still think it's hilarious. When I found out the Blu-ray existed, <laughs> I had to own it just so that Jeremy and I could have that experience. There's a fucking commentary track on this movie, <laughs> which I would love to hear this movie justified. Really? See, now I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. So... Uh, it's it's not even like an interesting sort of relic of the past. Yeah. It's a very very specific corner of B movie badness. Yeah. Do not watch it. <laughs> like, Come on. Like yeah. Really? Yeah. There's there no. in this day and age where we have the zombie renaissance yeah. going on, and there's so many imaginative, funny cool, grisly yep. zombie movies to choose from. Yep. Video Dead just does not win place or show. No. There's not even like some rewarding past performance. Like I can say, oh, you, get, you can see a young Robert De Niro in it. No, yeah. it's no. just nobody no. went anywhere and nobody deserved to go anywhere. You mentioned the girlfriend at all, did you? The girlfriend? Oh, no, The no. one who dies in the hut. Like she's right. taken... Halfway through the movie yeah. by some sort of Tarzan-like zombie. And, and again, she doesn't get to be rescued, she just gets to be killed. Yeah. Her line delivery is so bad. It's brutal. It's like, she's the worst. <laughs> she's like, ah! I just, I, I just nails, <laughs> nails on a chalkboard. It's got kind of feeling like they had the actors for these certain days. It was like, on the last day that they had the actor available, they killed them off. Like, I, it almost felt like the script was free-formed. Like, they were just making the movie scene for scene. Yep. Because there's nothing uniform about it. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff that, like, by itself is kind of absurdly wonderful that it exists. Like I said, yep. the attack out of the dishwasher or the washing machine. See, that just made like, me giggle, yeah. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. And, like, they try to go for the big Twilight Zone ending. Her brother's been killed, her neighborhood has been ransacked, but the zombies have been dealt with, she's been hospitalized, and, and her, parents. her parents bring the TV to her hospital room so that she might have some entertainment. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what was the name of the zombie movie playing in the TV? What was the name of it, do you remember? Oh, I can't remember. 
remember. It's like Zombie Weekend or something? Yeah. We were just uh, <laughs> some old zombie movie. Yeah. I, I mean, by that rationale, too, if they had been watching Night of the Leapers, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> would it have been the bunny dead? <laughs> they would have jumped out of the See, television. You get me all excited for the Leapers again. <laughs> Sign me up for that movie. Uh, See, that's how you make rabbits scary. Yeah. <laughs> zombie <laughs> rabbits. <laughs> okay, now we've solved that mystery. Wait, wait, wait. Is there Look, anything else you want to say about I, I will also give the video dead this. This is like long before Ringu the whole videotape that kills even though I think it is sort of the TV that yeah. the, that kills so I will also give it that it came up with that sort of notion long before Ringu so you know tip of the hat there but beyond that woo, woo. TV is bad for you and I think the video real meta thing about Video Dead is that Video Dead is it's bad, bad for you, you. <laughs> I order thee Well, that was fun. No, no, wait, I I need to dismiss the spirit. So do I. Where's the bathroom? (laughs) Unfortunately, there will be some surprise guests. They have very bad manners. And they have no respect for privacy. They'll wake up the neighbors. What the hell's in there? And they never take no for an answer. Come man, that chick is really a screamer. <laughs> Ghouls, once they show up, you can never get rid of them. They'll get you in the end. Charles Band. Yeah, his new moon, super low budget, direct-to-video sort of enterprise. Mm-hmm. He's his own sort of subculture. Mm-hmm. He, he's sort of famous for the Trancers and the Dollman series. Yes, the, the Evil Bong series, the Puppet Masters. Yeah, so... He did that rather actually way better than it should have should have been version of The Pit and the Pendulum with Lance Henriksen. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember. Well, that's what happens when you hire Stuart Gordon to direct. Yeah. But, uh... So, I mean, low budget, usually shot on the cheap a lot of the time in Europe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, things that he can make uh, several movies out of the concept, right? Like, again, you said. So I love them. So they're very mood specific outings. Mm -hmm. I think the thing about Ghoulies (laughs) is that it's probably one of the more cynical entries in the the thing, and that. They managed to get four Ghoulies movies out of it. They made plenty of money, but... Ghoulies Go to College is is definitely a... (laughs) A movie that exists. Yep. (laughs) But I think that this movie was clearly ripping off Gremlins, Uh which was already ripped off by Critters. Yeah. You know, which was like, like, okay, we need to make our own on-the-cheap little Gremlin-y creature feature movie. Yes, it's honest about that. So that's what this is. Yep. My, my description of this movie and its plot is, is that, okay? Yeah. We start in the backstory. There's a mansion. Yo. There's a s- warlock doing some satanic rituals. And Sounds he, of sort, yes. And he makes this little ghouly creature erupt out of the body of this sacrifice. Alien style. And uh, so it's, again, a bunch of familiar elements... Kind of cheesy, but in a way that makes me smile over how 80s with the blue lightning and the, like the, yep. the style of it. 
Don't forget the green contacts. <laughs> the green contact lenses, all of that. I mean, and it's fun and it's aesthetic. Yeah. And that's sort of where I started. I started watching the movie and I kind of was smiling, like, yeah. 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 And the deeper into the movie, the more my smile started to fade and the more my patience started to get slowly <laughs> chipped away. Wow, and this is like an 87-minute movie, too. It's true. We go to the modern age... New people have taken possession of the home. It's the son of. The son of, yeah. Uh, He finds these old incantation books, and he gets all wrapped up in the same shenanigans. The spirit of the original warlock re-enters the picture, as well as a bunch of party-goers, as well as a bunch of ghoulies. Mix, stir, shake, serve. (laughs) Uh, Interesting cast member includes Mariska Hargitay, who some people may know from uh, Longer SVU. One of of them. uh, There's so many of them. I think it's SVU. She's uh, now in the longest running Longer TV show, which is really sad. But uh, there it is. Um, She's neither here nor there in the movie. She's not good. She's not bad. She's just uh, an actress who needed a job and got one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it does have a face that went somewhere in the movie. There's actually a couple of faces that went somewhere. Yeah. David Lynch, regular Jack Nance, shows up both at the beginning and then move in the middle and then at the end where his character is essentially needed. Yeah. Um, I think in a way Jack Nance was, quote, the get or the name of that picture. Probably. They got a racer head to be in the movie. Probably. Right? Like, um, but they by scored. all accounts, Nance himself was barely hanging on to sanity most days, right? Sure. <laughs> so he probably fit into this group like a club. Yeah. Um, so it's an is what it is movie. If my description of the movie sounds interesting to you, you'll probably you know get something out of it. Yeah. I think that. The flaws are in its low budget, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, they made some cool ghouly puppets, but most of them only seem to look good from one angle, you know? Yeah. They kind of have to pick where, how they shoot these guys. Yeah. And there may be a little bit more Muppet and a little bit more cartoon than you want for them to be effectively frightening. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and But they're not as mischievous and goofy as, like, the Gremlins, where you can sort of love them a little bit, right? No, they're, they're, they're just bad. They're, they're kind of, like, nasty. Yeah. yeah, they're like mini-me crossbred with a demon. <laughs> kind of. Oddly enough, for a movie that is called Ghoulies, they're not in it a whole bunch. <laughs> Like they're they're not even sort of integral to the plot at all. Like they're there and they provide a service, <laughs> but you could honestly take them out and do nothing to the plot. That and is the that main is the couple narrative. Don't do a lot to hold the weight of the movie either. Yeah, yeah. the guy, the kids are hosting the party, and uh, I just don't. The characters aren't particularly likable. And on top of that, they're not particularly well acted. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that kind of works against the, the tension of the, the show. Yep. Well, see, to me, like, Ghoulies is a great example of great 80s cheese. <laughs> like, full of its tacky one-liners and cheesy characters that would only exist in the 80s. Yeah. No other decade would these characters even be functioning. Um, unique prosthetics is what I would have. Yeah. And breakdancing. Yes. <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> Glorious breakdancing. I wanted to mention the breakdancing, and I also wanted to mention the potheads. <laughs> Alrighty, we're there. Okay. 
Uh, well, the breakdancing, again, it's just a product of its time. Yeah. It's one of those things that really makes you face palm when you watch it now. See? But at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> Look, see? they think breakdancing is cool. Yeah. <laughs> see, at this point, I want to like call and then rage you. Um, what was that Night of the Demons movie? Right. <laughs> yeah, like, see, to me, this would almost go hand in hand with them. Right. I think Night of the Demon might have had a little bit more production behind it, maybe slightly. Possibly, but, but yeah, yeah. The acting was certainly no great shakes in Night yeah. of the Demon. Yep. Um, what was the other? Oh, yeah, the stoners I want to talk about. Yes, the stoners. I, I get tired just generally. Like, if I see a celebrity being interviewed on some talk show and yeah. he's wearing sunglasses... I, I, I just assume he's stoned or how, like that there's a reason he's covering his eyes other than he thinks he's super fucking cool yeah that one stoner keeps his glasses on this entire night yeah for some reason drove me crazy yeah and there's also that scene that's so done where the two of them are smoking their weed and they're giggling and in the background behind them two people are totally getting killed by ghoulies but they're too stoned to even notice what's going on man yeah well I think that's when Hagate actually Mariska Hagate actually gets it when a ghoulie jumps out of the water and starts gnawing away at her face I will say this though, I'm glad my gaydar is not totally off. <laughs> I was kind of worried after I missed blood sports. <laughs> I, I, not that I'm proud of my gaydar. Or <laughs> shit. Yeah, whatever. But clearly, it was like the love between them was definitely unspoken, but it was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, they were having the bromance. And again, like, if they'd done something more with it, but they were just these giggling buffoons. Yeah. And then we're supposed to like them for some reason, too. Yeah. Like, they're unaware of any of the danger. Blah, blah, blah. Um, other thing, uh, you're a big Finnish ending movies. I know I'm jumping all over the place. I apologize. Okay. But, like, let's say... What's a good example of jump scare at the end of Carrie? You know? Sure. The end of Carrie, they have to go, boo, it's not yeah. safe. Carrie's still out there. She's still haunted by Carrie. Yeah. This movie tries that, okay? We got away. All the people are driving away in the car. Except. And then they cut, and there's ghoulies that just sort of lift up from behind the back seats yep. like puppets, literally. Yep. yep. And, like, it's not satisfying. It's not scary. Yeah. It's not punchy. Yeah. You're not affected by it. You're uh. not sad that these people are dying. Yeah. I'm sort of happy that the movie's over, but it's just, like, how not to do a final scare. <laughs> right? Like, ooh, were you scared? No. Were you affected by it? No. Did you feel mad that the good guys? No. You just felt nothing. <laughs> nothing. Oh, well. Well, it's over. Ghoulies. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Look, it's it's so utterly charming in its, 80 bad, in its 80s badness. It, I will admit it sort of loses its steam, I'd say, by the, by the third act. Um, it is, the ending, of, like, the movie is sort of gifted with a sort of what I would clarify is one of the most classically over-the-top acted climaxes <laughs> ever put to celluloid. It, it, Malcolm Graves, who plays like the, the evil, the evil father, like dial up to eleven doesn't even cover it. Like he walks around repeatedly with his arms crossed, almost like Wolverine, and like he's doing spirit fingers, sort of vampire like, thing. Like he thought that that action and decision was going to be intimidating. And talks like this. I, I'm not doing it justice, but 
It's it, it, it fits. It looks like he makes himself look like that woman at one point yeah. and chokes the dude out with yeah. the tongue. Yeah. And I remember while I was watching that, because I'd recently watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, it was like, yeah. did they steal that bit from Nightmare on Elm Street 3? Or did Nightmare on Elm Street 3 steal that bit from Ghoulies? See all I'm saying. <laughs> but anyways, him and his son, Jonathan Graves, plays by Peter Lapis. I'm sure I'm saying that incorrectly. Not good. <laughs> well, they have this scene together to see who can overact each other, and it just escalates. I'm reminded of, you know, it's kind of like when you get a whole bunch of, you know, actors sitting together at a, at a table at a bar and see who could be the loudest. Right. That's kind of like that. what that scene is like. It's like, who could be even worse? Eh? 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 I can't imagine what it would be like for, like, if you had a cast reunion of the Ghoulies and made them sit down and watch it. Like, how many people would stay in the room for the whole movie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think if there's alcohol syrup, <laughs> everyone would have stayed. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be mean about Ghoulies. It is what it is. And yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. I remember liking it when I was a kid. Yeah. Maybe that's part of my problem revisiting it, too, because yeah. I had this memory of it being sort of vaguely good. Yeah. Uh, I remember the the advertisement for it had the Ghoulie popping out of the toilet. Yes. And I remember, just as a child, in some real primal way, finding the idea of that really terrifying yeah. that you could be sitting on a toilet and that something would crawl out of the toilet and goose you, you know yeah. like I, there's a weird vulnerable feeling about that and yeah. as I recall like that doesn't even really show up in the movie or I mean like they emerge from a toilet it does but, it, it does show up at one point but when, it's not like a kill or anything no it's, it's, a, it's when the evil really starts happening like the third act is really starting to sort of take its course when yeah. these ghoulies start popping up everywhere I think that particular scene, which of course made it to the poster, really does sort of sum up what Ghoulies is. Right. It's well, or what it should have been. It should trash, have been like eighty minutes of that trash cinema <laughs> of like playing, you know, even sort of below the barrel a little bit. Yeah. So, I, I like the fact that it knows what it is. Like some of these other films have clearly, clearly missed their mark, where they knew that they were playing in the gutter. And we're playing, and went, and never really left the gutter, and it has this sort of Roger Corman charm to it. Like this, this is why I like Charles Band a lot of ways. Yeah. Like they're mood specific. Yeah, you gotta um, be in the right. And it is space. mercifully short. Like yeah. it's it's eighty some minutes. Um, I like it, but I could totally understand. Like on a different day, I would totally hate this movie. And here's the thing about the whole band enterprise. Yeah, where it doesn't have budget yeah. or you know the talent that maybe a lot of other studios has they have a lot of heart they do and see like, that, that's why I'm like other people wouldn't even attempt to try and make a movie on this scale with that budget yeah but they just say no that's what we do that's yeah. what new moon pictures is about yeah we make cheap horror movies as cheap as we fucking can and we throw them out in the marketplace where we know that we can sell certain titles. And I salute And some you. of the movies are shit and some of the movies are surprisingly enjoyable. Yeah. But part of me is just glad that they're out there. Yeah. And I guess that's where I land on Ghoulies. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's great. My memory of it was a lot better than the actual revisiting of it was. Yeah. But part of me is just sort of glad the Ghoulies exist. Yeah. But again, like so many of the movies we've talked about tonight... I can't really recommend it. I know. <laughs> I know. I couldn't recommend it with straight face and have someone like like make feel like they've lost all credibility to them, you know? I, I I think if someone were like, let's really 
sort of see this like diamond in the rough cheesy 80s movie I'm in that kind of mood yeah Ghoulies might fit that bill but beyond that it's just like no but you could be watching Gremlins or you could be watching Critters 2 the main course yes and I think that your time would be better spent yes that thing seems to know what we're thinking a grizzly is an animal Kelly don't give it human qualities see he doesn't understand that we're dealing with a highly intelligent beast late 70s early 80s obsession with creatures creature features when animal attack movies mm-hmm. night of the lepus and roar obviously we've, we've yeah. already talked about so here we come to grizzly yep it's clearly right on the heels of of jaws it was yeah. like a back-to-back production with jaws but i think the word was out that jaws was a cool movie and that you know like yeah. It's hard not to see where this movie may have borrowed from Jaws. It's debated, borrowed. but I, I, I think borrowed. it's there. There's this speech about how the bear rendered a, a, an entire population of Native Americans extinct, and, yeah. and you can there's an ancillary scene from that from Jaws, and there's like there's things that you can li- line up next to it that mm-hmm. makes it work, but I, I, or makes it sort of yeah, it's the Jaws template. But here we are. But I'm going to argue that unlike the irresponsibility of Roar and unlike the just ludicrous premise of Lepus, Grizzly makes sense to me as a tentpole, like, when animals attack movie, right? People go camping in the woods, bears are in the woods, people plus bears equal calamity, and sometimes grizzly bears can grow to be quite large, mm-hmm. and sometimes grizzly bears can become quite aggressive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes grizzly bears can be presented with illnesses uh, like um, uh, like dogs get or rab- yeah. they can go rabid uh, foam at the mouth stuff like this mm-hmm. all of these things grounded in the real world you can make it scary without necessarily stretching the borders of reality too much yeah. so why, why wouldn't they be able to scare people away from the campsites in the same way that Spielberg scared people away from the beaches with Jaws yeah I mean, obviously, there couldn't be two Jaws. It was just too big a movie for there to be, like, yeah. for Grizzly to, to, to necessarily measure up. But I get where their head's at, and I'm on board. Like, I can see how a Grizzly Bear would be scary, and I can see how, like, this makes sense. <laughs> like, I'm with them in the, the pre-production. I get yeah. where they're coming from. <laughs> I think the love it or hate it sort of aspect of Grizzly is that. It's basically every when every when animals attack movie that you've ever seen sort of yeah. distilled into one movie. I think it has some discreet charms, <laughs> uh, and I I kind of like how the bear is not so much a bear but clearly a monster. 
Mm. In the same way, like, the shark in the shallows isn't a shark. It's a fucking monster, right? Mm. <laughs> this grizzly bear likes killing people. <laughs> He's bad. Yeah. This is not like man has done something wrong and, and we're getting our payback from Mother Nature. This is a big old grizzly bear that's gone bad. Yes. And I think, as a premise, that's solid. The rest of the movie is kind of shaky. But the premise... Is solid, yeah. and that already puts Grizzly ahead a lot of a lot of the movies that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, okay. So here we are. A grizzly bear viciously attacks two women, and I didn't notice he seemed to specifically attack women a lot in this movie. He takes yeah, like he he focuses on women three quarters of the time. I think it's only just because there's a male there at one point yeah. that. He gets in the way. It feels almost like a slasher movie where the slasher's after The bear's the definitely misogynist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He don't like the ladies. No. Nope. Well, didn't they actually have some sort of weird speculation that they might have had their periods and that was attracting the grizzly at some point? Speculative. Same, they say the same thing about sharks. Okay. Right? Because 52% of the time the attacks are on women. There has to be a reason, right? Yeah. So, whatever. Um, yeah, two women get brutally mauled by a bear... Dude gets called in. Can they save the summer camp season? Yeah. More people get killed. More hunting happens. A bazooka is involved. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not talk about the bazooka quite yet. We'll, get, we'll work our way to it. Yes. Um, is it a great movie? No. Is it a horrible movie? No. It's a movie. <laughs> I'll say this. It's comfortably or it's adequately made. It, like, like From a technical standpoint, it's... Clearly, it's competent. Yeah, it's yeah. competent. That was the word I was going for. Right. Um, so it, it it is that it. I think what you need to know about Grizzly is that it's from writer director William Gidler, who at the time of making this movie was also de- dealing with a lawsuit from Warner Brothers because he was being sued by them for his rip off version of The Exorcist called Abby, which yeah. is essentially a, the black exploitation version of it. And you and, and I are huge horror movie fans and yeah. we've never heard of it. So I, I'd, I'd, I'd heard of Abby for a little while and I, I knew of William Gidler and if you look at his filmography, it's there's a lot of knockoffs. Knockoffs. That that's what this guy did. The fact that it, he's knocking off one of the greatest <laughs> not one of the greatest monster one of the greatest monster movies ever made, but just one of the greatest movies ever made to me kind of hurts a little bit because it is stru- story structure wise beat for beat like it's not it's not even hiding is the first half a procedural the second half an adventure do you think the fact that it starts off with an opening kill which is by far the most unconvincing opening kill <laughs> even worse than the video dead and the chase sequence they had in video dead which we I neglected to mention <laughs> Where the, it's like the guy is running like eh, like so slow, but he's supposed to be running, but they didn't have a dolly or tracks for the camera. But anyway, um, Grizzly is just like I don't know, man. That opening kill is so bad, and just the delivery of the one. She doesn't even look scared. She it, she just looks more annoyed than anything else. What gets me though with that kill and a couple of the other ones is yeah. not the brilliance of the execution. Yeah. Obviously, you can't get an actor in the frame with a real bear, so we're yeah. dealing with like some guy whose arm is made to look like a bear arm or yeah. like uh, the silhouette of a bear suit. Yeah. But this is a PG movie, right? Yes. It's rated PG. And swipe 
arm flies into the yeah. tree. Swipe. Leg <laughs> flies into the trees. Yeah. Grizzly close-ups of the aftermath. I think the head does a roll as yeah. well, probably. Like, the aftermath of the bear... Like, the violence in it is kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah. It's not convincing, but it's but, shocking. Does that make sense? There, like, there, there are some jolts. <laughs> um, but I guess it's just... Uh, like if you, it, it, like I said, it, it's a carbon copy of Jaws. You want your sort of crusty old man in the sea character that really good at hunting that animal. Check. Yeah. You want a summer community where the mayor is so corrupt that he wants them summer dollars, so he keeps it open. But well, then keeps let's be fair. Check. They did close the campsite. The people did leave. Did they? That did, did happen in the movie. Okay. Well, <laughs> they came back right away. They and, did. And, they put a prize on the bear, and again, that's all right out of Jaws. Yeah. But they did they did try to get people out of harm's way, so that's something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You want a thumping soundtrack following your killer animal? You got it. Yeah. Like just, and, and even how the, the bear breathes, it sounds like this really torn alcoholic. <laughs> well, that's why I say, like, the bear's a monster, or even yeah. not a monster, like a slasher. Like, the way he seems to, like, stalk the yep. women, especially. Yep. And then, of course, there's the infamous scene with him stalking that little kid outside yep. of the well, house. All right, well, we'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we're here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Grizzly has a couple of things that, once again, I, I don't know if I've ever seen before, or at least I tip my hat to. There is a scene where this bear, which has just been finished feasting on its own species, like a baby grizzly bear, it swallows right <laughs> then goes to hunt down this child and tears off the arm if I'm not mistaken of the kid yeah the arm comes off and when he's on the ground I think his leg is missing too yeah yeah but it's and because, the mother gets in the way yeah he's stalking the kid we see its point of view we yeah. see the innocent sweet little kid playing and you have this thought like he's gonna kill that kid yep <laughs> this is a 1974 creature feature and they don't have any fucking problem killing this little kid yeah like if, if honestly if this was made in 2017 I would expect maybe the mom to get it and yep. not the kid yeah <laughs> but that's not how this movie plays no this is a fucking monster movie so, and monsters kill the innocent I say big brass balls <laughs> there's, there's some guys big. for that brass balls is that something we want to see though do we enjoy violence on children no no we don't but well, at the same time the I, nouveau I, version of it was one of the highest grossing films yeah. of the uh, year so maybe we do <laughs> I guess so <laughs> it's it's not that Grizzly is a technically inept made movie it's just it's a passively made movie it's third rate right. uh, like where Josh got where Josh got things right was like the attack scenes are so primal and so brutal like that opening, that opening kill of the of the of the young woman. I forget yeah. her name in Jaws. Right. She screams, Chrissy, yeah. Chrissy. She screams her death. Like it, it, it's it's earned, and you don't see this the shark, but you, you know she's looking at it. She's being pulled. Like it's there's something very primal and terrifying of that scene. There's none of that in Grizzly. Oh, the execution is just yeah. way better, obviously, in Jaws. Yeah. They suffer the same problem as Jaws too. And then, except for when they have shots of an actual bear, which is very convincing because it's yeah. an actual bear. Yeah. Whenever they attempt to show us the bear without showing us the bear, yeah, it's yeah. not. It's a yeah. you know, it's not working for me. Yeah. Right? I, I it, they made the best 
effort that they could considering the time that the movie yeah. came out in. Yep. And Jaws has a few bad shots that way too, but yep. Grizzly has way more. Yep. And Jaws has the spine of a strong story and an amazing cast. Yeah. And I think that there's adequate acting in this movie. And I think yeah, shout out to Christopher George and Richard Jekyll and Andrew Pine once again and Joan McGall. They all they all try and do their best with what they have. And they do that similar thing again, keep talking about Jaws, about trying to have naturalistic performances. Yeah. I mean, we may not buy some of the victims, but who knows what goes through your head when you're about to be swept by a bear. <laughs> but yeah. like, um, I don't know. What I like about this type of movie is that it's got a clear white hat, black hat aesthetic, right? Yep. We know there's a creature that it's killing people, and yeah. we know we got to deal with that creature. Yeah. And we know that we're going to get to know a bunch of people who go to hunt this creature, and not all of them are going to make it out. Right? Yeah. Um, in a way, it might have been more credible if it wasn't Grizzly, if it was the boogeyman or the slasher in the woods. Right? Sure. In a way, the least credible thing about the movie Grizzly is Grizzly. Yes. But like I said, reasonably well executed for its time. And there was going to be a bunch of Jaws knockoffs. Yep. And I guess I would argue that Piranha is the best of them. <laughs> yep. But Grizzly's not the worst. <laughs> no. no. And like I said, I also have to give a shout out because every helicopter has a bazooka. <laughs> well, every saved the whole fucking proceedings. See, that, that, I, I was worried for Grizzly at that point, <laughs> and then he brings out the bazooka, and that bear's not just dead. It, it and its lifeline is wiped off the face of the earth like it just obliterated not even explosion it's just like evaporated tink dust (laughs) just like what and at this point I was dealing with the death of Richard Jekyll I mean I should have seen it coming but the fact that he's thrown around like this dummy ragdoll for quite a while yeah too and then the bazooka comes out and I, 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 I applauded. I, you know, I, you're absolutely right. You know what we don't see enough in movies? <laughs> Bears being shot so, with bazookas. Yeah. Like, see that, that fucking sold. <laughs> that, that should have been the name of this podcast. Bear versus bazooka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, like that really honestly might have been the thing like I saw this when I was really young I was 10 and I saw a bear get smoked by a bazooka and just decided this movie was awesome and nothing just changed my mind and I would believe it because it's in the states because the states thinking they get access to bazookas uh, to be fair they have a four bazooka minimum per person on a helicopter because that would be weird I know but I just like he's a park ranger he has to have a bazooka I feel so much safer (laughs) only you can prevent forest fires with a bazooka laugh with Grizzly or at Grizzly and you can have fun with Grizzly it's not great but it's certainly not awful Wow. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin. Wow. I, I, I don't know where to begin. 
I, I mean, I spread this out. Like, I didn't do the thing where I watched all six of the movies in a 48-hour period, okay. which I think was probably for the best. Yep. Sometimes, depending on a given theme, I'll just get my soul kicked mm. in the movies. I think I might have had to commit myself if I'd have watched this all at once. Mm. There's something to be said for these little oddities, though. Mm. Like, they're... They're not well remembered necessarily, but I do think there's something about each of these movies that is uniquely memorable. Yes. Some of them really rub me the wrong way. Yes. I don't think I could say that any of them were amazing movies or even great movies. They, these are not well-made movies. Um, but they're interesting to take a look at, and they're like little time capsules like from where they came from. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You'll notice that, like, last time Lee was on the show, we did a two-part 1970s, you know, best in the 70s, and yep. Grizzly and Night of the Lepus were nowhere to be found on that I list. I just don't know how that happened. I don't know what kind of thing, like, how did we miss those I titles? Just, I don't know, man. But they're going to be talked about in this list, yep. so here we go, and Mr. I think, Backman. I think the world is better for it. <laughs> What was your least favorite of these six intellectual <laughs> stimulating movies of importance? Wow. Um, the thing is, is like I still don't know how you could rank these movies successfully. It's tough. It, I think, to me, like the list would probably change on, on a different day, just depending on the mood you were in. Just from the conversations we've had, I'd be very surprised yeah. if we went six for six. Yeah. But uh, we might accidentally go zero for six. Who knows? <laughs> it's quite possible. <laughs> but here we go. Well, at number six, and, and I mentioned this earlier, it's sort of unfair to sort of judge this movie with the rest because it's just, it's in a league just underneath of its own. This movie is not good. Yeah. And yet there's something. <laughs> there's something. The acting's not even third rate. The editing, the <laughs> writing—it's—it's uh, it was made, like it's almost like a movie was made by people with ADHD for people with ADHD. Yeah. So I, I start off with I think Larry's movie of favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Am I wrong? Favorite movie of all time? You are wrong. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I've been wrong before, but I say the video dead is number six. Okay. Um, I. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I just... Ooh. <laughs> There's movies that are not for everyone, yeah. and there are movies that are not for anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. There's your tagline. <laughs> the video dead. At number five, I have a movie that was just... It's frustrating, because I really do think it was almost there, or at least it was somewhat there, but in the end, it's just sort of disappointing. Yeah. I would be curious for a sequel, but at number five, the best titled movie out of all of them, Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. I say a true satire on, on California life, <laughs> made perfect by the Malibu Beach hippo. Oh, man. I, I keep on bringing that up. I just, I just like the sound of it. It's just Malibu Beach hippo. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, number five is Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. At number four, this is the one that, like, that easily could be number six, but because there's something morally wrong about this movie. <laughs> Just, like, it's, no. Like, once again, don't believe 
any of things that, that, that they're trying in this movie. No. The opening scroll, we didn't even mention the lion that has like blood marinated on its veins. <laughs> Just drenched in gore. Yeah. Um, also, there, there, is, there is a short cameo of Rob Reiner in this movie. He's one of the people on the boat that is not mentioned, and also not even in the cast, but it is him, hmm. I've discovered. He's on a boat when this, I think it's a tiger, jumps on the boat and sinks, sinks it. it. Yeah, and he's screaming for his life. We didn't even mention the hunters that are, 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 are they were designed to be the villains, and they no, died. The heroes are the villains. I didn't give a shit about the hunters. They didn't. See, they were right. <laughs> but so I kind of was sad when they got mauled and eaten, and a blink and you miss Zake Smokey is also in this oh, movie. I missed him. Yeah, he's there as well. But um, this movie has some ethical problems. It's... I, like I said, I felt like I was watching a snuff film by the by the three quarter mark. This movie is undeniably unforgettable. <laughs> like when the movie finally is over, it's like uh, you've seen something that you can't unsee. Yeah. So like, there's a power to it. But not since Milo and Otis has there been a family film that is so troubling, troubling and not really for a lot of people. Uh, is 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 roar? Yeah. The making of this movie, I think, is far more fascinating than the final product itself. Um, but you know, as you watch this movie, like the people in danger, whether you're they're riding a motorcycle through lions and, and the lions are swiping at them, or you know, a guy climbing a tree, all that is real. Like the look on the on the faces of these people is real, and you can't help have that affect you. Is that a good thing? I don't think so. This movie easily could have been number six, but at the same time, there's something to it. It's it's kind of like the thing with Faces of Death, right. where it's you're seeing you know real dead people, and it's it's something that you won't forget. But it, is is that a good thing? Right. I, I do think that actually Roar is probably a little more palpable or to, or palatable than Faces of Death in the whole moral argument, but it's still wrong. Right. So I have Roar. Ah. Uh, Proceed with caution is a sort of best way I could have it. At number three, I have the charming but such the ripoff, but really should have been Grizzly with Bazooka. (laughs) (laughs) I have have Grizzly at number three. It's adequately made. It is, you know, a Jaws ripoff. uh, But everything that Jaws got right, Grizzly got wrong, except the Bazooka. Right. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, all I can say is bazooka. I'm a child. There's something about a bear being greased by a bazooka that <laughs> just, just, that warms, just the, for me. warms the cuckles <laughs> of my heart. So, I have number three is grizzly. Number two, I think it's great 80s cheese. Is it a good movie? No. But it has break dancing with puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and a killer clown. There's a clown scene. Right, we didn't talk about Yeah, it sort of sits in the chair, and you know that it's like it's in the background and it's going to move, and of course comes and attacks. It also has a character aptly named Dick. Yeah. Who, well, he he's resists. Kind of he's kind of a dick, and he says, I'm a dick. This is what I do. He's not lying. He's so, very aware of who he is. They knew what they were making, and I think they hit their mark, which is why I think Ghoulies ranks a little high in this list. Okay. Um, it's. Like I said, it's it's hard to rank these movies. Ghoulies was at least accepting of what it was and played in that playground. So I can't quite condemn it to the lower echelons of the list. 
but it's not a good movie. <laughs> I think the ghoulie coming out of the toilet is the perfect sort of allegory for it. So, number two, I have ghoulies, but at number one, I said it before, I'll say it again. Once in a while comes a movie <laughs> that just transcends the medium, that really, really speaks to you, and, and I give you Night of the Leapers. Number one. Huh? I think it is intellectually stimulating <laughs> and talks about important things, like the invasion of the rabbit. They scare hmm. me now. Hmm. They they scare me. This, <laughs> scare the this this movie spoke to me. <laughs> You're glad you you got to see it. Yes. If not for ranking review, you might have gone your I know. entire life. I know. Having not seen Night of the Leapers. I know. So well, there you go. Remain seatedly. Okay. You and I have just gone zero for six. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not the least bit shocked. <laughs> Uh, I think it's not because our opinions of the movies are that different. Yeah. I think it's just because it's a fucking weird list yeah. to rank. And see, I, I, I can't disagree with you because this is like... I think you might actually because our lists are quite surprisingly different. Okay. But um, here's where we're, we're going to do it. <laughs> All right. There's something got triggered in me. Okay. And uh, as a parent... Yeah. I found Roar... Dangerously irresponsible. Yes, I and I. The idea that cool. a mother would put her children in direct harm's way yeah. in the interest of making any movie, however well intentioned, yeah, I think is crazy. Yeah, I think that there is a line that there is a when there is a certain thing that you can say no, we can't do that. Not yeah. in the interest of art. Not in the interest of anything. Yeah. It's weird because I agree with you in that I found Roar hypnotizing. Like, yeah. it was probably the easiest watch in a lot of ways, and yeah. that, like, I was kind of riveted by it. Yeah. But I was also offended and angered by it, too. Yeah, and I, and I like, get that. It's a movie that shouldn't exist. Okay. It does exist, and it, I, I'm not saying we should burn every copy of it. Yeah. But it made me uncomfortable enough to put it in last place. Okay. Even though technically it's probably a better made movie than any of the other ones, I just don't get behind that mentality yep. that anything is justified in the interest of art. You're not I wrong. I don't get it. Like so, I said, you're not wrong. All the way in fifth place, and this is probably what you're going to say, bullshit! All right. I put ghoulies. Okay. Maybe it was that thing because I liked it when I was a kid, yep. and I revisited it, and I was like expecting to still like it, and yeah. I kind of didn't as much. Okay. Uh, again, uh, if I'm in a mood to watch one of these movies, I would probably watch Gremlins or one of the Critters movies before I would watch any of the Ghoulies. Like, yeah. It's low, low, low rent. Okay. To its credit, it knows that it's low, low, low rent. Yeah. And if you're in the mood for Ghoulies, Ghoulies is there for you. It's yeah. kind of an okay bad movie. Yep. I gave Video Dead fourth place purely on nostalgic joy. Okay. Like, I've seen that movie probably eight or ten times. Wow. Okay. Like, I, I just I just want to just bring, bring it to, like, you've given up your life, <laughs> I think eight hours of, of your life. A to, full working day of my life. To Video Dead. Watching Video Dead. <laughs> And it's not good, but it's fascinatingly terrible. Okay. <laughs> um, and that might just be for me and Jeremy. So if your name isn't Larry Parsons or Jeremy Cook, take this with a grain of salt. Okay. But all the way, generously, in fourth position, all right. I put video dead. Okay. 
in third position and more for the movie that it wants to be than the movie that it is. Yeah. I'm putting Cannibal Women in the Avocado Jungle of Death. It's like needs to either be a little bit funnier or yeah. a little bit smarter. Yeah. But as it stands, it's a 90-minute Saturday Night Live sketch that yeah. just went on too long. Yeah. You know? Fair enough. But uh, it's a good swing. Yep. Yeah. Because of how absurd it is, yeah. and because of how earnestly sincere all of the performances are, I put Night of the Leapus in second place. Oh, man. <laughs> but mainly just because of its insanity. Yeah. Like, it's not funny. It's not bad. Like, it's not bad in execution. It's just ludicrous in its premise. Like, and it's so ludicrous that the more straight they take it, the more frustrating it becomes. Yeah, like, I was never frustrated. Somebody have fun. Like, I'm not having fun watching it, but I want to believe somebody making the movie. Oh, <laughs> see, like, even the ending where all the rabbits are electrocuted. Like, come on. And uh, in first place, I will put... A fake grizzly bear being exploded wow. by a bazooka. Wow. Again, not because it's an amazing movie. It's just sort of memorably odd in a list of memorably odd movies. But I'll also go back to what you said when you did your list. Like, if we'd recorded tomorrow instead of today, <laughs> yeah. maybe Video Dead and Ghoulies would have flipped. Maybe Leapus and Grizzly would have flipped. Like. Yep. It was a really weirdly tough thing to rank. I know. And not because I was passionately for or against anyone. I know. <laughs> I, I think I might be being hard on Roar because, like, it is a, an achievement in many ways, but I don't think it's worth putting people's life in danger to make a movie. And uh, people, I was watching people fear for their lives in yep. the film, and that made it engaging to watch, but it yep. also made it a little bit dishonest and icky to me so if I'm wrong anywhere on the list it's probably Roar but it just hit me wrong no I, I, I hear you I hear you I think the fact that it's it's kids that are put in danger that uh, is one thing that really makes the film uncomfortable but other people have put their lives in danger for the sake of filmmaking but they were adults like Mad Max kind of springs to mind Road Warrior like those people stunt performers yeah. we lose stunt performers very often and yeah. like, but like they're stunt performers. Yeah. They're, they're paid to take the yeah. hit or take the fall. Yeah. And stunt performers get hurt. Yes. It's different when you're putting people who don't know how to behave around lions. Yeah. Around lions that aren't acclimated to humans. Like, yeah. I said it several times and I'll say it one more. It's a miracle that no one was killed. Yes. No. And that's the only reason this movie was released. Because I think if somebody had been killed, yeah. if Melanie Griffith had her neck snapped by that cat... Yeah. This production would have been folded. It would have been this nightmare Hollywood story, this hush-hush thing. Just somebody has a print of Roar where they were so, so dangerously negligent that Tippi Hedren's daughter got killed. It, like, that's an alternate universe reality, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And for that, Roar rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> no, there's an ugliness to this movie that is undeniable. Even more shocking that it took almost three years just to shoot this movie. <sighs> Like, like they, they had to stop because of... Injuries. Injuries, but also storms just destroyed the set at one point. So, I am just aghast at this movie. I can't deny, though, the palpable fear that this movie creates for me. Like, it, it is an uncomfortable experience, yeah. which, which is why it ranked higher. But I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Like, I think Roar is a lot more memorable than Grizzly. 
I will say that. And Grizzly, like, it has a bazooka, don't get me wrong. And I'm bringing this up yet for the 10th time. You know what? Time. If at the end of the movie, Tippi Hedren had taken out a couple lines with a bazooka, yeah. this might be a whole different conversation. All I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't disagree with you. That's the thing. It's like one of these, like, weird ranking list of movies where you're not wrong, Larry. You're not wrong you're at just all. You're an asshole. No, not even <laughs> your asshole. It's like, I don't oh, disagree with you. It's just... What's the, how? What would be the rubric for this movie? Like, <laughs> for this list? I don't know. I don't know. So, well, I, I just, just spilled my coffee everywhere. So oh, that's probably a good time to cute. sign off. <laughs> I really do appreciate you doing this uh, this hey. list with me. I apologize to cut it short. That's okay. <laughs> I, I think the fates are trying to tell us that we need to wrap it up. Um, I don't know what the next list of movies you will do is, but I guarantee you that it will be less weird and easier to rank. <laughs> you say that now. Well, that was intellectually stimulating cinema of importance question mark yeah that was a real gong show that was a that was a whole mess but maybe in a good way i mean i don't regret the experience necessarily tell me what you thought of it by writing me at rank and review at gmail.com that's r-a-n-k-n-r-e-v-i-e-w at gmail.com check out the site at rankandreview.ca Tell that other movie freak in your life about this podcast, because they'd like it, and I would like to add their ears to my collection of ears. That sounded kind of weird. I think I may have been watching too many strange movies. Anyway, please join me again for another episode of Rankin Review. And remember, 